Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 25. After our weekly segments, we are going to talk about the science of parenting by Margot Sundelin. Let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Good morning, Andrea. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm feeling tired today. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like last week I had this like adrenaline rush because my husband was out of town all week. And then this Mm. week now like he's been home all weekend and it's been wonderful and great. And now it's getting back into the swing of things and I'm like, oh, I'm tired again. (laughs) (laughs) That definitely makes sense for sure. Oh, man. That's rough that he was gone all, all week. I, uh, my husband was gone, not even, he was gone all day for both Saturday and Sunday, and that was feeling really rough. (laughs) So, I was just like, no, weekends are my time to, like, be like, okay, you take the child for some time. Well, and, and I will say, I mean, he left Monday morning and he came back Friday night. So, he was gone during the week, which Mm -hmm. three of those days, she goes to daycare. Um, Tuesday was a bit overwhelming i think that's the day we recorded last oh yeah (laughs) it was a little bit intense but um friday we got like pedicures together and we went out to lunch and it was just like a a sweet like mommy daughter bonding day and then daddy came home and that was so that was nice so it really i much prefer when he is not gone during the weekend and yeah he used to fly, like, the red eyes back, but then he'd be home but totally useless the next day. Mm. So instead of, like, coming back Thursday night, he, like, sleeps a normal, like, normal-ish amount of time and then flies back because um, he was in San Diego, which is where, you know, your time zone. Yeah. And then flies back and he gets back in a normal time and he was really, really amazing about almost staying on our time the entire time he was there. Nice. So, like, he got up, like, 9 o'clock our time, which was 6 a.m. Th- there to go to the gym. The flight, the day he came back, he went to bed from, like, 10 o'clock, 7 o'clock San Diego wow. time, which was 10 o'clock here. Got up at 2 a.m. San oh Diego gosh, time yeah. to fly back. But, it, like, there was no adjustment period, which was so great for us because it's, it's really hard when he's home to be like, no, honey, you can't go see daddy. He needs to sleep. Yeah. It's like easier when he's just not here. So that was, it worked out really well this time. So I'm pretty grateful for that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. We've done the reverse. Like we've stayed on West coast time going to East coast, but I feel like it's much easier to do it that way than the opposite. So man, good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he's also, um, it was a business trip. So there was, and he's very introverted. So he mm. loves to be with all of those people and to be in the group. But by the end of the day, he's like, uh-uh, I'm done. I'm peacing out. He doesn't drink. So it's like, I'm not going out to the bars with you guys. I'm going to stay home in my room and recover for tomorrow. That sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Very nice. Well, cool. Well, yeah. This week I had this like cotton. So it was like Thursday night. There was like the cocktail party to it. And then Friday night there was this business amongst mom, like super summit conference. And it's this group I'm into, which I suggest if anyone is a business owner and a mom, you look into it. Although it's kind of, there's not too many like physical groups, but I think you can technically 
join anywhere. You just kind of don't really get the benefits because you couldn't go to the in-person meetings. But it's pretty big in Seattle area. And it's just like such this amazing group of like supportive women. And oh my God, these women do like amazing things. Like these are like some really badass women in there with like, you know, multi-million dollar businesses to like women who are just starting up, you know, and just to have an idea for a business. And so I was presenting my business and my new branding and everything there. And it was so much fun. And everyone was so awesome. But it was very, yeah, I'm like, I need to recover from that because it was, yeah, a ton of people and talking, which was amazing. But yeah, I definitely need that. Okay, recovery time. (laughs) I, I love finding supportive groups like that. And I think that's a really great, you know, connection. And, but yes, I feel like the older, the older we get, and I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, I don't consider myself old by that, any stretch of the imagination, but, um, you realize how much that recovery time means something. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So as for our new icebreaker segment, do you have any real mom moments of the week this week? <laughs> Mine isn't, I wouldn't say it's a, a singular moment cause this happens all the time. I just never thought of it as maybe odd until someone else pointed it out. So we have like a box of supplements because we all have lots of supplements. And um, I think, who I, I forget who I had over, but they're like, uh, you're, Remy's playing with a pill bottle. And I was like, ah, oh, just supplements. And we give them, he just takes them all the time and like uses them as shaker bottles and like shakes them around. So there's like constantly supplements laying around our house. <laughs> and I just I was like, but they're like great toys. <laughs> So just, we'll continue to do that. That's not anything I plan on changing. Well, it's, I feel like the funny part is that most supplements aren't like childproof tops. Yeah. So he's learned to open all the ones that have like the flip top. He like, look, he's so uh-huh. funny. He, he actually looked, we, so we have this big box that sits on the ground that's like this like pretty cool looking box. And, um, we cannot find a cabinet to fit in this one space. Anyways, different story. So he, at one point, yeah, would look through all of them and find the ones that are flip top and realize he could bite them. So those are all on the top shelf. So now we have all just screw top ones. And I'm sure at some point he's going to figure out how to open those. And then we're going to have to find a place to put our supplements, which I'm not sure where that's going to be right now. But as of yet, he has not figured out screw tops. Anything he can bite open, though, he's become an expert at. <laughs> I love how... Uh, creative kids are I know all of that and the way that they figure those things out it really is how about you what's your real mom moment of the week so you know and I don't you know I don't actually consider I feel like it's more like a real mom win of the week so last week husband's out of town Monday night was the first night was so it was a week ago and it's she took a long nap at daycare and it's like 9 15 and I'm exhausted I'm like go to bed so he like, I'm trying to get her to bed, and by 10.15, she's still not sleeping. So I was like, all right, do you want to come sleep in, in mommy and daddy's bed? She's like, yeah. So she came, and she slept in that bed, and she went right to sleep. And then Tuesday night, I was like, you know what? Why don't you just – so every night while my husband was gone, she slept on our bed, and I felt a little guilty the first two nights about it. My husband was like, it's fine. Like, is she just like, she can just sleep there all week. Like, no big deal. And I was worried just because, I mean, we have a king size bed. So it's not like our bed's small, but with me being pregnant, plus like my pregnancy pillow and like the kid and then my husband, (laughs) like that's technically four people in this bed. And that's a lot. And 
and I don't sleep, I don't always sleep great when she's there with my husband, but I slept fine when she was there when it was just the two of us. So it got me through the week and I was all worried about her transitioning back when my husband got home on Friday. But Friday's a great day because she doesn't nap at school. So she's tired by the time we're, we get to bedtime. My husband was back. She went right to bed and Friday, Saturday, Sunday, she slept in her own bed. No problem. Like, We'll see how tonight goes with it being back to school, but now my husband's back, so I can go to bed and he can get her down. So I was a little, like, um, stressed about it in the beginning. Like, I don't want to start these habits that are just – and it's not that I'm opposed to co-sleeping because I'm not, but I just don't sleep as well when it's all of us in the bed together because she's not – a still sleeper like this kid will end up sideways feet on the headboard spinning around (laughs) like I'm like trying to protect my belly and it's it can be a disaster so um I was really excited that it worked out so well and that I was still able to get my sleep last week and she was able to get her sleep and she just needed that extra loving because it was just one of just just one of me and she was used to two of us so that was sort of a win for us that this week yeah, that's awesome. For sure. Yeah, I can't co-sleep either. I mean, I think I could, yeah, if my husband wasn't there, but <laughs> we did for a while and then we were done. You just have to know your body. Mm-hmm. All right. So for our tip of the week, uh, my tip this week has absolutely nothing to do with uh, movement or nutrition or maybe, maybe maybe a little bit of mindfulness, but it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately, and it is to just listen. I feel like especially in what Andrea and I do, we are people that want to solve people's problems, you know, quote unquote problems. We want to give them solutions, give them answers. But a lot of times the people that we're talking to or that we're listening to just need to be heard. And most of the time, and I know from like my personal experience, like especially if I'm talking to someone like really close friend or my husband or something like that, I just want you to empathize with me. I don't, like, I probably know the answer to my problem, and I may not be admitting to it, and if I need help, I will ask for it. But if you just sit there and listen and you let me get it out, it almost feels so much better than, oh, wait, well, did you try this? Well, did you try this? Because it almost sometimes makes you feel even more defeated when you give, when you're giving someone else all these other strategies, like, oh, like, let's say it's it's sleep it's like well did you try this to help your kids sleep did you try that did you try and it's like well I don't have the energy to try all of that or yeah I did or something like that so sometimes you just gotta listen to the people around you so it's like I guess it's like a friend making tip or something this week but that's what I got for you do you have that no I'm gonna comment on that one because that is like one Jill my sister if you're listening I know you're like Andrea you need to listen to what Beth is saying right now because I do this to her a lot. Um, I really like to solve people's problems and she gets really mad. And we have a great relationship, but this is one thing that gets in the way. And I do need to be better about that. And I'm actually really good about it with my clients. But yeah, when it comes to family, I definitely struggle with it. And it's it's so important because, yeah, it's so easy to just want to solve problems, but it's not really usually the best solution. And usually it just, yeah, when you're not looking for a, a solution, it's unwanted. So anyways, I think it's a great tip and everyone should listen to Beth's tip. 
um, mine this week is to just breathe and build in moments in your life to breathe. So um, I definitely have, I definitely struggle with breathing and remembering to do it sometimes. So I've kind of built in these like moments that happen on an everyday basis that are like my trigger to just take some deep breaths. And a lot of mine are ones that normally would be stressful things. So for me, like technology, if a website or something on my computer does not just like instantly load, I used to slash I still do sometimes, let's be real, um, get so annoyed, like just now loading for this podcast. I'm like, why is this computer? Oh, yeah. Okay, breathe. Like, it's my moment. Just breathe. Like nothing I freak out about is going to make it go faster. So just breathe. Um, do the same thing if like someone's being slow in traffic or I'm stuck at a red light. Um, I'm trying to think of other moments where I build and I, they're, they've really, some of them have just become so, you know, habitual now that I don't think about it. But really moments that typically you'd be stressed, but you have no control over, just use them as triggers to take those deep breaths. And it's so helpful. Oh my gosh, it's so helpful. So that's mine. I love it. And it's, I, I like the perspective that you give on that because I definitely do it in the car because I don't know. Again, I feel like, is it, is it because I'm in my 30s now that I'm like, why are people such terrible drivers? But I do, like, when, if I get cut off or maybe I'm the one that didn't see something and I made the mistake and it made me really nervous or that kind of thing, I do take that chance to really take a deep breath. But I like sort of seeing those those delays, those little frustrating things that don't allow us to keep up the pace that we want to as opportunities to take deep breaths and to really maximize on that. Um, I guess I think we talked about it a long time ago. I, I kind of call it like active meditation where you're still actively doing everything, but you're just taking a moment to take some deep breaths and you're like, hey, even if it's one deep breath, it makes so much of a difference. Absolutely. So this week I wanted to talk about, I've alluded to that for my infant massage course, I chose to read The Science of Parenting by Margot Sunderland. And I was just fascinated by this book. And we've talked about parenting on the podcast before. And I felt like this book covered everything and beyond that I could have never even imagined. So it talked a lot about bonding and attachment and the things that kids need and it was really science-based so they had pages upon pages of references at the end of where their research is coming from how they talk about how the brain develops how we can foster different personality traits and behaviors you know how to to address them and and I was just I was astounded by it so I wanted to I wanted to talk about it um I didn't know, Andrea, if there was any specific topics that you wanted to hear about. I mean, literally, it talked about from, like, infancy to um, adolescence in this book. Um, I, I don't even know, I guess, what to ask. So I feel like I would love to hear whatever your biggest takeaways are from it, if there was any that you were like, man, that is, like, amazing, or anything that's easy for people to implement would be awesome. Definitely. I think the big one in the beginning, so... I know we've talked about a little bit of aware parenting in the in the beginning with sort of 
understanding your baby's cues and the importance of responding to your baby's cues versus reacting to your baby's cues. So just that change in terminology of saying like, hey, my baby's crying. I'm going to respond to my baby's cry. Not necessarily I'm going to react and have this, my own emotional response, but I'm going to respond to it. And that there is no scientific studies that show that you can spoil your child by holding them too much, giving them too much touch contact. They talked a lot about the benefits of co-sleeping, but they also talked about how to do it safely. And and how to do it safely is not to have the baby between you and a partner, which I'm like, because that never worked for us. It's to have the baby between you and a wall. And and it should be with the mother and then just things to, to to make it safe and they gave a lot of research on apparently in in China where co-sleeping is the norm they've never even heard of SIDS so which is sudden infant death syndrome which is one of the reasons that they discourage co-sleeping whereas in societies that it's much more common they actually don't have it happen um but but they really talked about why touch is so important, how it makes the brain development, and then it actually gives kids more security and safety feeling in later years if you give them that touch and like frequent response and interaction in the beginning. So that was really, I think like kind of the big like first section of the book was all about touch your kid and be there for them, respond to their cues. Your kid is, you know, your infant is not trying to manipulate you. And they sort of kind of transitioned into that older stage when you're like, well, are they now? Um, But that was really, really supportive for me, especially going into the soon to be mother, you know, mother of an infant again stage. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what I've always heard research. Remy, come here. Sorry. Sorry. All right, come here. Okay. Never mind. Sorry. Um, yeah, I've always heard research that was, and I think it was in Japanese cultures, there's some research that talks about how, yeah, the more like, you know, there for, you are for your kid, the more like love and support and everything you are for them when they're little, the more independent they will be when they're older. Because it's like they've learned that they have this like safe home base, that their world is like this safe place and they have the support whenever they need it. Um, versus if you're like trying to foster independence and you're like, no, like I'm not going to be here for you right now. They learn that the world is unsafe and that they don't know when they like – they can get attention or get support. So by creating this like, you know, environment where you're responding to every need, they then can become more independent because they know they can turn to you and you will respond to them even in later um, ages. So that's pretty cool that that supports that. Yeah, definitely. And then in talking about the independence, that was a really big takeaway for me. And I actually wrote a blog post, I'll link to it, uh, about it. And it was, it was, this whole section on the chemistry of drive and will and how to create a you know, create or foster a child to have will and drive. I mean, and for me, that's like one of the biggest qualities that I want my own child to have is to be motivated, internally motivated, because I feel like that is what gets people so far in life is to be motivated to accomplish something, whatever it is you want to do, whether it's dance or write or science, you, whatever that is, to, to have that internal motivation is really big. And 
I was always kind of a thing, you know what, just let her play by herself and then she will, you know, learn how to, to do some of that. But it was really big in saying like, no, you can't just let the kid play by itself because he or she will just get bored a little bit quickly. You have to, you have to foster that play. So, you know, yes, allow the child to play by itself and then add comments here or there because it's like well what do I what am I supposed to do when they're a little baby it's oh look you found the red cup well that might make them one then want to pick up another one and you can say oh you found the blue one so you don't want to interject too much but you want to participate in a way that it continues the play scheme and it supplements the play scheme while teaching them how to continue to do it on their own so I thought that was really helpful in the kind of support and development of the the play and the motivation and the drive and and just creating a child that's thriving and independent and motivated is it was was a really just it just had so much meaning for me yeah that's really cool and that that's very much on the RIE parenting style too so that's cool that the research supports that um, and we've done that, like I read about that from when, gosh, before he was born. And so we've always done that. And I mean, I'm happy to say this child will play independently for like an hour by himself. Like he really does not need attention. And yeah, we just kind of, they call it sports casting. You're just kind of saying what they're doing. Like, oh, you're drinking from a blue mug right now. And there's no, like, they kind of are anti-super baby talk and yeah, you know showing them how to do things like you can kind of show them once but you don't correct them if they're not doing it right it's just let them let them do their thing and and be really present with them as their thing that you're just watching them and if they look up to you you're like oh yeah you you just stacked those cups didn't you you know you're just yeah really being present letting them do their thing and uh it's amazing how i don't know how well he plays by himself so that's cool yeah, and I think that that's one of the reasons I like this book so much is because it really combined a lot of the parenting styles that we t- discussed previously into one book. And it one of the other big areas that I took away from was the discussion on tantrums because we've been dealing with that my my child's three and a half. So we've had them off and on. And I read Tears and Tantrums by Aletha uh, Salter. She's the kind of the aware parenting movement. And it was kind of like, your baby's not trying to manipulate you. And and this is, you know, you have to respond to tantrums in this way. But the way that this book broke it down into different types of tantrums that and, and how to differentiate between a true tantrum and that slightly bit more of a manipulating tantrum. And it talked about sort of looking at those facial cues of if your child's really in true distress or can they can they be distracted from it? And it's like, well, if they can be distracted from it, then they're probably not in true, true distress. And it may be a little bit more of that manipulation and that you need to respond differently to both types of tantrums. And that oftentimes that first tantrum will turn in that might be just, they call it a little Nero tantrum. So that like little like, hey, I'm just trying to get my way tantrum will often turn into the distress tantrum, but you need to ignore the first one, but then you cannot ignore the second one. So that was really interesting to me because I definitely have had a hard time saying like, I know that you guys, that that aware parenting says that your kids aren't trying to manipulate you, 
But when my kid's throwing a fit and then smiles at me and then keeps throwing a fit, I mean, I'm not sure that I fully believe that this is just, you know, something that I that I need to respond to in a certain way. So I thought that was really helpful that it was defining the two different types of tantrums and, and talking about the benefits of of responding in certain ways. And then it also talked about, like, if you respond in this way, like, this is what studies show is is who this person becomes later, which is much more impactful for me than just saying, well, like, okay, well, they're going to work over me as my, their parent versus, oh, they're going to use this type of behavior in adult into adulthood. It's like, ooh, you know what? I do know adults that do this. It doesn't look exactly the same. It's not, you know, kicking and screaming usually, but it, you do see some of that. So that was really interesting how they really related it to adulthood and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Is that something, this might be, I don't know if you want to make a separate podcast episode or talk about it now, but I definitely feel like hearing, I don't know, any tips on how you would respond to the different ones or, you know, what that turns them into adults would be really cool to hear. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely go over briefly. So the, the little Nero tantrums, which are the ones that are a little bit more manipulative they are not they are not in total distress so it's it's looking at the face i mean and i mean once i read this i can totally see the difference when my child is in a distressed transom she is bright red her face is like like we've got real tears face like down that big frowny face and just like you you don't expect any any response and that's in a distress that's a distress tantrum and basically in that state there's no reasoning with your child you will not be able to get a, an answer out of them so don't even try your goal is just to go and hold them and you can again kind of sports cast or comment just say you know I know that you might be frustrated or angry whatever emotion you think that your child is feeling just say, you know, I'm here for you and just hold your child until it passes. So that is the, the you know, the kind of, I feel like the main aware parenting, like just hold your child and let them recover from it. So that's pretty consistent with the, the earlier tantrum, that little Nero, that, oh, more behavioral type of tantrum, you actually want to ignore it and not give them peace of mind. It was not opposed to using humor to getting moving a child on which I really like because I've always liked to do that but then I read the aware parenting book and I was like wait I'm not allowed to like make a joke and let my kid move on out of it and they're okay with that um the big thing is you just you can't give in you you if you're setting boundaries you can't give in to those boundaries no matter what kind of tantrum it is so you know if your kid's having a tantrum that they want a piece of chocolate cake before bed and you say no and it's you know whatever tantrum it is you're not going to eventually say yes to that it's okay this is this firm boundary if you throw your initial kicking and screaming tantrum that's not actually a distress tantrum i walk away and i give you your space it turns into that distress. I hold you. I comfort you, and then we move on. Um, so, so that was sort of the big basics. But we can, um, and then it was sort of saying that it's it it can turn people into bullies in into adulthood. You know, bullying to get their way or getting really angry if they don't get their way, and using 
not nice language or physical means to then get their way in adulthood, which, I mean, you see that. I've seen adults, men and women, that use language. I don't, I don't, I'm not really in crowds that I see people using physical force to get their way, but, but definitely verbal abuse to get their way um, into adulthood. So that's sort of what they're, they're looking at with that. Um, And I think, yeah. The the last thing I wanted to say that I really liked about the book is from a nutrition standpoint, they even talked about different nutrients that are good. Like they talked about fish oil and um, ADHD and how that can um, support with that. They talked about different food colorings and additives and things like that and how that can increase your child's tantrums. It talked about... At bedtime, avoiding protein, uh, high-protein snacks at bedtime, and obviously, I mean, I say obviously because I know that I know that for my own kid we have to avoid chocolate at bedtime, but things like that, that, that can make life harder. So I just, I was so surprised that a book like this not only touched on all of these sort of mental and physical things, but also the nutritional standpoint of food ingredients and things like that to be mindful for if your child's tantruming more than you expect or doing things that you don't want them to do, it's like, well, there are other factors that that come into play. And then the last chapter was called like taking care of you. And so it had even that whole, hey, you're important and you matter the most and you need to, this stuff is hard. It was you know, it's always, it's one of those books that it says pretty early on, like, hey, Loving your child actually isn't enough, that you need to do more than that. And that's hard for me to read because I feel like that's one of those things that's like, shouldn't that be enough? But it was, it gave so much useful advice that it was kind of like, okay, I I see what you're saying here. And I, I know that I'm doing a lot of this. And I know that a lot of people, there's so much in this book that you can do that a lot of people are like, hey, you know what? you're going to find something that you're succeeding in. And then they also say, if you struggle in this area, find somebody that can help with that. So like with the play and that kind of thing, well, if you're not that great at playing, find someone who is to come play with your kid for a little bit. And, and I mean, I, there are certain ages, like I have been very back and forth on my ability to play with my kid. It's like, wait, what am I supposed to do here? How much do I go back and forth? But my husband's been really great at it. So I let him do a lot of that. And I do more of the play by doing things like we'll bake together or we'll clean together. We'll do life lifestyle stuff, which she absolutely loves. And and we, I just make sure that she has interaction with with different role models and people in her life to get all of that. So it was just, I I cannot speak highly enough about this book. The other, so that was so my one, my one big critique was I. It's hard to read something that says, you know, loving your child's really important, but you need to do more than just love your child. And then the other part was when they talked about uh, child care. They were pretty adamant against any sort of child care for the child's first year and I was like you know my kid she she started daycare at four months old and she's thriving so 
But again, it wasn't full time, but and it, most people don't have an option one way or the other. And yeah, it's great if you can afford a nanny to be there with your child one-on-one if it works for your schedule or what have you, but it's not always a feasible option. So, you know, those were, I think, my two big critiques and I want to warn people about if they go get that book to not completely turn yourself off from it because, um, yeah, maybe the research does show that kids do better when they're with their parents and not with other providers but I think that you can find providers to watch your kids that are able to give them love and comfort and I think that what you do when you're home at night and on the weekends or depending on what your schedule is is also really important and meaningful so those are my my kind of like negative reviews but I understand why they had to mention them because it was such a a thorough approach to parenting. Yeah, that book definitely sounds amazing. And yeah, I think the whole like loving your child thing, I think it makes sense. I mean, ultimately, you know, I think there's a lot of parents who really love their child. But if you're not there, if you're never present with your child, it your child doesn't know that, I think is kind of the issue. And if from I mean, from everything I've read, and I'm sure the book talks about this, like babies learn like their world is imprinted on them at a very, very young age. And that influences how we see the world as adults. So if they don't know that they're loved and they don't have that attention, then, um, or like that presence, I should say, it's not even really about attention. I think it's about that, like being present and just fully there with your child clearly as I am right now, as I'm podcasting and sort of half ignoring my child. Um, (laughs) but it's about, you know, it doesn't have to be all the time (laughs) at all. It's like, having moments where you are just truly, truly engaged and there's nothing else that matters. It shows them that they are, they are loved. And so it's just, I guess, showing that to them. Um, and then, yeah, we have a nanny. I mean, we are so lucky to have a nanny that works with our schedule and that we were able to afford. And we definitely, I mean, we technically like if a financial advisor looked at our books, they'd be like, why the hell do you guys have a nanny? You absolutely cannot afford this. Like we, And I get that this isn't an option for everyone, but we absolutely made it a priority. It was something that was just really important to me. Plus, honestly, with my schedule, I I don't think there I could have find it found a daycare that worked anyway. So, um, anyways, it's it's one of those things where just because the science shows something is the best, it doesn't mean that everyone has to be perfect. Like breastfeeding has been shown to be the best, but if you can't, you just make do. So it's like yeah I think again it's I think we talked about this before but if something's really triggering you I would really sit with that and and figure out why and just come to terms with there's reasons why you can't make that happen and and be okay with it and move on and just you know do do your best in the other areas like we absolutely like there are going to be a ton of people who cannot afford to have a nanny or stay home with their kids it does not mean you can't raise an absolutely amazing child and love them and show them that so that's just my two cents on that yeah and I I agree wholeheartedly and it does talk about when it was talking about play I think it said something like an hour a day it doesn't have to be an hour straightforward so if you can get 15 to 30 minutes in the morning depending on how early you leave for work and then 15 to 30 you know 30 minutes in the evening that's something and that doesn't have to be just you it can be with your partner, with your spouse, and that's not going to work every day, but, um, it really, I, 
I wish that I had done more research beforehand, you know, before my first child. I will say I think being my, as my profession is pediatrics, it's a lot of this stuff maybe was subconsciously taught or learned through my years of of working with kids. So a lot of the things in this book, it was nice to say like, oh, I am doing that. Oh, I am doing that. Oh, that's what that's going to foster and develop. Like, I love that. But it, it, especially if you're early on in your, in your motherhood journey or if you're struggling, I just, I, I cannot recommend that book. And they are not paying me to, to <laughs> I wish they were, right, to, to, to rave about this book. You know, I will put a link to it. And if you guys click it, maybe we'll get a little, a little uh, Amazon affiliate stuff with it. But um, I just, I think, feel like there's so much out there and, um, my sister-in-law, who's got a seven-week-old, was just saying that the internet, she's having a really, like, really hard time on the internet because if you search for something on the internet, you can find 800 reasons to go one way or the other if it's like a yes-no question. And so I feel like books are a better option for some of these, and and something like this book that's so well-rounded is really, um, I can't I can't recommend it highly enough. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, because I, I know we've talked about Aware Parenting, and I think Aletha Salter's book is great. But yeah, I definitely felt like there was points where it's like, okay, now what, what do I really do in this situation? And so I've RIE has really bridged that gap for me. Um, I haven't actually read Janet Lansbury's book. I need to get it. Um, but it sounds like this book also would really bridge that gap because it sounds like it's all that same line of thinking. So that's awesome. I'm going to have to look into this one too. Thanks. No problem. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us today. Next week, we're going to chat about measures of health. Follow us on social media for news updates and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Pizza Real Eats on Instagram and Facebook, and Andrea at DrAndreaMoore.com. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at RealMomsRealLife.com.